This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello, this is Mandy Matney, host of True Sunlight Podcast and Cup of Justice Podcast. And I am here with the amazing, the talented, the hilarious Kathleen Madigan, who is also host of Madigan's Pubcast. Kathleen, thank you for joining us. I'm very excited to be here. So long time ago, it felt like you gave us a shout out and you found out about our show and you started listening to the Murdoch Murders podcast. Do you remember how you found out about it? Well, I think if I remember right, I saw the story about him somewhere. I don't know about about him. And so I thought, well, there has to be like a podcast because this is a big deal, like in that area. And then I went and found your podcast and then I got super mad because I felt like the the regular Joe Blow media, meaning let's say Good Morning America, or they were just poaching everything I already heard on your podcast. And then, but they never <laughs> credited you. They were just like, oh, so all this stuff's going on in South Carolina. And then every week I was telling my friends, listen to this. This person is five weeks ahead of the Today Show and they're just stealing it. That's why I think you should get to go back on those things and go, all of you owe me an apology or at least a six pack of my favorite beer because you totally <laughs> stole my work and you, you, you condensed it. So it wasn't as quote hard for the morning people. Cause the morning shows want to be, you know, Oh my gosh, this is a sensitive subject. We have to make pies in a minute. Let's get this away. Let's talk about this. So then I just started listening to every episode all the way. Well, till now. Yeah. Because I also said I was a journalism major in college and I don't feel like there's journalism anywhere anymore like nobody the reason i quit journalism is because it got too hard so nobody's doing the hard work anymore but unlike me they didn't quit and go do something else they just slack off at the job like to go down to a courthouse and go through find information and all that the horrible stuff you have to learn in journalism school i felt like nobody's doing that anymore except you were and then I saw how young you were and I was like, well, good for the young people. Like, this isn't some lady like me that's like in her 50s. Like, there's that, I won't cuss, but there's a documentary, Don't F with Cats. Have you seen it? Mm -hmm. Don't yeah. F with, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That lady, <laughs> that, that lady in Las Vegas did the work and she found the guy. Yeah, she it's did. It's amazing what people can do when they decide I I'm upset or I'm going to find this jerk who's killing cats or. And it turns out he's killing people. It was, it was just, it's nice to see every once in a while somebody really kind of get off their ass and do the work. So, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Lots of uh, responses to what you were saying. So I'm trying to keep track of my mind. But the, the, first of all, you said like, I should go back on all those shows. Yeah. It's so funny because I didn't necessarily talk crap on... <laughs> I did. I talk crap on a lot of national news outlets, not only for stealing my work. I mean, that was one thing. I just kind of got used to it and whatever. But 
them just being very, very lazy. And they just kept giving the benefit of the doubt to Alex Murdoch and his stupid lawyers, no matter like how many times they lied. And lazy as in they just didn't take the time to understand the complexity of the story. And so many journalists would call me or would find my email in those first few months and their immediate response was like, can you give me the, like, they would ask, can you give me the lowdown? Can you basically tell me, (laughs) give me the background? And I'm like, I have a podcast that provides the background. Like, listen, I I don't have time to like, just be calling and giving everybody my notes from the last two years. Yeah, That's insane. But I just kind of realized, and I talk a lot about this in my new book, how broken the system of journalism really is and how like, God, a lot of News reporters from very well-respected agencies were doing very little on this story. And I thought like, oh, the big guns are coming into town. I'm going to get start to get really competitive and they're all going to take my sources. And, and so I started to get more competitive <laughs> and kind of started to get crazy with myself. And I mean, for the most part, they were still like a million years behind on everything. And I was very surprised by that. And granted, I was, uh, it was a weird situation because I was ahead of everybody. Like I had two years of research already done. And I talk about that in the book a lot and like what that research entailed. I don't think a lot of people understand like when they see a story, how that comes about, how the journalist comes up with sources, how she found that court document. And I go into all of that fun stuff. But yeah, now... They, uh, as in the book, people want me to like kind of go back to all of the people that I've maybe talked a little, (laughs) I've talked some crap on legacy media. And now I'm like, help me sell my book. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) Well, they still will at the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they're all kind of just looking for the money. So if you boost their ratings, they'll do it. Those, you should do it. Right. If they want you, I would go do it. But that's the thing that's so annoying. It's like, I think I figured out the formula that they're all following with, with like true crime cases and everything. And they don't they don't do the legwork. On, there's a million unsolved murders across the country. There's, I'm sure, a handful of other Murdoch, other type stories that are just out there and nobody's dug into them. Like, throw a rock and you'll find a crazy murder story in the United States. But the media just focuses on like the same seven <laughs> over and over every year, over and over. And it's like all of them just go on the same. Like we've we've heard the di- how many different versions have we heard of like the def- Jeffrey Don case or like like old cases too they like to spend lots of time and resources on it and it's like why what is the point of that uh but i figured out that like they don't want to they don't want to do the legwork that i did for two years and that Liz did for two years uh without knowing that the reward is big like without knowing that there's a huge audience out there for that they don't want to spend that time but they're like uh everybody and their brother is clicking on murdoch stories so we're just gonna Keep on that. And it's just, it's a crazy world. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think the big networks care about, well, just the big shows too. There's no reason to mention names, but if it's not, if there's not enough flair in it, they don't want it. But if, if I, like, I love true crime, it doesn't have to have all the flair for me to want to watch it, but they're, and they're never going to put two years of work in anything. No way. Right. I mean, they're just never going to do that. 
So if nobody does it, if you didn't do what you've done, what would be our coverage of this? I mean, that's something to really think about. Like the local paper person that kind of cares, but they just repeat and write what they've been told. Right. And like local newspapers are gutted at this point and they like the Hampton County Guardian where this all happens, that paper doesn't even like technically exist anymore. Um, It's owned by Gannett. And so there's one reporter in Hampton and he, of course, has to get to other stories. And I know what it's like to be in a local uh, small town newspaper reporter. You got a lot to do and you don't have time to do like investigations or dig into anything. And the corporate overlords, they don't care about that either. Like, and and they're just like, crank out the clicks, man. And uh, it's just disgusting. But I talk about a lot of that in my book and just how, and I, I worked at McClatchy, which was one of the largest newspaper companies in the country while the boat crash was going on um, and up until the end of 2019. But McClatchy, it was just amazing what was going on there and the priorities that were given to reporters. It was basically like, you need stories that will get generate clicks and generate subscriptions online. And they like wanted to try to basically make reporters start to sell subscriptions or like they were like when at at the end when I was there they were like eventually we'll have quotas for reporters (laughs) to meet for subscription sales and I was like hold on I did not sign up to be a newspaper subscription salesperson like that is not and I get paid nothing for this job. Like, it's already hard enough as it is. And they just kept making it harder on reporters. So I understand why there's not investigative journalism in the way that there should be. I think you really have to, um, like in college, this friend of mine in journalism school, her name was Carrie. Carrie just liked like the fight of journalism. Like she wanted to win. And I don't have that like extra gear to the point where she ended up on um, 60 Minutes because she alone solved a murder in Alton, Illinois. Good for now, her. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing back then because there's people like me going, can I just do a story on salad bars? Like, I don't want to, I can't fight the power, but I also felt like you can't do it and you'll never win. And she won. But I, you know, she was one out of tons of us in school that actually just loved it so much. She took the the crappy pay and just did it. Yeah. And I mean, I was the salad bar girl for years uh, in journalism. Like it took me a while to like get guts. I wanted to do the fight, but I was also like, I like stories about sharks and alligators and they get tons of clicks. And like, I get praise when I do these dumb stories. I had a thing at the packet where like every, it was in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. So like the easiest thing in the world was a shark story or an alligator story. And I was all over that. Like, I have to admit, I was that. And also, it's easier, like, the environment kind of encourages that. But, like, if if you're not getting paid that much, you might as well have some fun at work and <laughs> write about the local right. salad bar that you're interested in versus, like, going right. to city council and figuring out how much money they're stealing from taxpayers. Like, that's hard work. <laughs> and we'll be right back. As y'all know, we're gearing up for our national tour. All the planes, trains, and automobiles can be stressful. But do you know what's going to keep me comfy and confident along the way? You guessed it 
Viore. The Viore Winter Collection is chocked full of travel gear for any temperature or adventure. I'm planning to strut down Rodeo Drive in my Elevation Trousers. Sophisticated silhouette, ultimate stretch, superior softness. That is my new travel mantra. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash COJ. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash COJ. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash COJ and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And and that's the thing too that like we discovered with the podcast and Liz is so brilliant at um, with you get these very heavy topics and traditional journalism is just so anti like using humor to uh, tell the news, explaining where your stance is and explaining your opinion and why um, and, and how you found that opinion. And we were, we found with our audience that like, they loved that kind of stuff. They loved when like you can break something down, have a super complicated news issue, like all of the struggles for the money in the Alex Murdoch's case, which are just so freaking complicated. And I say Alex Murdoch, I'm sure... I'm so mad that I said Alec at that first <laughs> in the first podcast. Yes, I I will admit for the first time that was my biggest mistake so far <laughs> because now everybody's like, uh, is it Alec or Alex or? <laughs> I'm like, it's a stupid name. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever his name is, right? We all know who we're talking about. That guy. It's stupid. That tall white guy. Murderer. Murderer. Man, baby. That man. He sucks. Uh, I'm tired of, I don't care how he pronounces his name, but at the beginning, like it was kind of important how he pronounced his name because the locals said it one way and everybody else was saying it's something different. So I was trying to get some local street cred. I don't even know where I was going with this, uh, boiling down topics, but like the whole reason, but I think that's, what's cool about the podcast because yours and there's others that I listen to where they're going to go, we're doing a deep dive, but we're going to do it slowly. So as the listener, you're not like overwhelmed where you're like, ah, too hard, too hard, too hard. Like I've listened to a lot of crypto ones because I'm sort of interested in all the crypto and all that. And some of them I think are super user friendly and others I think I happen to know a lot about that. So I like that. But if you did not, you wouldn't even know what they were talking about. Right. But at least now they're all out there. So if you really want to know everything about the Murdoch murders and go listen to yours. And it's, it's, it's user-friendly, but complete. Yeah. And we kept it entertaining. I mean, the, the point of it is journalism, but we also made sure that like our audience was paying attention and our audience could actually understand these complicated subjects. And like we were saying earlier, that is one big conclusion that I found is that 
uh, things like the sewer board can seem extra complicated, but because they put all these words and they make it sound really confusing, yeah. but you strip away all of that and it usually is just not complicated and uh, they're all trying to fool you. So that has been what we've been doing so far. And it's been very illuminating to like show people that they can actually figure out what's going on in their local government and they can get court documents from lawsuits and things like that and teach them these tools that like you can actually figure this stuff out too. It doesn't take, you don't need a journalism degree. I just think that our society... But I, but I've we, I feel like we were never taught any of that. No, like when I'm no. in fifth grade. No, when are you? When you're in fifth grade, somebody goes, "That's the mayor." Oh, okay. What's that guy do? Like, I don't. They don't even explain the structure from local government to regional government to federal government to. That's why I think the super nerds can sneak in because they're more apt to understand all that and go, "Oh, I'll run for Congress over here because there's no." The districting is strange. I mean, every week Lewis yells about redistricting and then he tries to get me to understand it. And I'm like, Lou, I don't care about your boundaries. I don't, I know I should care. I know that. <laughs> I know that. But it's too hard. I don't, gerrymandering. Uh, yeah, like Lou's an old guy though. So he, he's very upset about yeah. gerrymandering. Very upset. And I'm like, Lou, word up. You're the only one. <laughs> so when you're, when you're going to get into this at happy hour, you're going to notice people drifting out because nobody's interested, even though we all should be. We were never taught the basis of any of it. Right. Like, I remember when I was in Waynesville, Missouri, I asked the question to that reporter that and I was an editor. It was an awkward situation. I walk into this. It was a tiny newspaper in Waynesville, Missouri. I think we had like a thousand subscribers and <laughs> it was a five day a week paper. <laughs> It was. Wow. Yeah. So it was a lot of work. <laughs> I had a sports reporter, uh, this one reporter for a hot minute and then a designer. And then I had to figure out like what went in the paper every day and how that went down. And I was fresh out of college and it was just the craziest job that you could ever imagine. But I remember asking this girl reporter who had been there forever and I felt stupid asking, like, does the mayor vote in city council? And she was like, she shamed me for asking that question. Like, you don't know how city council works, blah, 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 blah. But no, no. Nobody knows how city councils work. <laughs> nobody, nobody knows. No, only the people on city council. Even half the council people clearly don't know how it works because they don't shut up when they're told their time's up. Right. Like none of it ever, none of it ever like, and I think that that's all honestly by, by design, like we all took civics in high school or middle school or whatever, but it didn't teach the very basics of local government. Like you said, like we all knew who the mayor was, but do we have any idea when they did or the kind of budget that was under them or like some cities, the mayor votes, some cities, the mayor get pay gets paid, some cities, the mayor doesn't like some cities, the mayor's full time job. But it's fat. But I think that like society likes to shame. Like I felt super stupid for asking that question. Like, how do, how do we even... Like, how does city council even work? But nobody, nobody knows. <laughs> nobody, unless. Well, and then you think, and then why would young people want to get involved? There's no, uh, the money's terrible. You would almost have to like, somehow deep in your heart, want to make a change. And you're like, okay, this is the only way I can do that. Like, you'd have to be almost 
possessed or obsessed with the idea because the money is not there. It's no fun. Like the only thing I knew about our mayor growing up is his last name was Egan, which is super Irish. And on St. Patrick's Day, he would ride around in a green convertible Cadillac and throw candy at us. And I thought, that's a great job. I mean, I don't know what else he does. Right. I think I remember thinking that the mayor was like a millionaire. Like if you're... (laughs) 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 And probably thought that like throughout high school, like just did not know anything. And again, in a journalism school, it really wasn't taught anything about. And in college, we just kind of skipped over (laughs) local government and all that works. But I was thrown into this uh, Waynesville, Missouri and... Thank God I became friends with the mayor there. And she was this wonderful woman, Luge Hardman. She's a a big character in my book, actually, because she was like my first source in journalism. And she was this uh, retired history teacher who, like you were saying, she was that person with like the crazy enough bone in her to like, I want to make a difference in my community. And she did not get paid enough to cover her gas. (laughs) in Waynesville like she did it as her retired job but like it literally didn't cover her monthly gas to get to all the meetings and things and because she was an active mayor like you can get elected and be like a a boring mayor or you could like try to make a difference and yeah Lush got paid almost nothing and it was fascinating she really helped me explain like how everything works I had no idea I mean I don't think most people know and I don't understand why high schools don't explain that to kids because they don't and they also don't explain it would be good. They also don't explain law. Like my dad was a lawyer and all he would come home from work and just go, I don't know why people are talking to the police. You do not have to talk to the police until you are under arrest. I'm like nine. And I'm like, okay, I got it. I'm never talking to the cops, dad. You got it. But people, when I see like on all these shows, these uh, murder shows where they're like, so-and-so walked into the police station because they asked him to come down. I'm like, oh my God, you don't have to do that. But normal people don't know that. Normal people. I know. My brother goes, Kathleen, not everybody had a lawyer screaming things in the house at night about the American justice system. I'm like, I know. But everybody should get to know those things. Like, they should teach us in school. They should. Right. Like, you have rights. (laughs) uh, Right. That that should be a basic, like, you have Like, before we teach you the rest, let's teach you about, like, the rights that you actually have and how to not get screwed over by your own government, because (laughs) that's terrible. Or or also get screwed over by the people your taxpayers are paying. I'm paying for that cop. Right, exactly. So if I don't have to get... If I don't have to get out of the car, <laughs> I'm not then gonna. I don't have to get out of the car. Right. <laughs> right. And right. like I, I'm trying to remember the Netflix show that David and I watched. I think it was during COVID. It was like Confessions of False Confessions. Have you ever seen that show? No. It's insane. It's like a series of deep dives into different cases where people accidentally confessed because they were in situations where like their spouse was murdered and the police were like, come with me. And they were like, okay, I got to come with you. (laughs) And of course their spouse was murdered. So they're like really, really wrecked and like not in a good spot and the police like basically convince them that they're trapped in this room for 48 hours with like no food no help no and they end up confessing to murder because they feel like there's no way out and it makes sense when you watch a show of like oh this is how it actually happens because i could see 
if you didn't know your basic rights of like, no, I'm not coming with you. You just, I, we're honestly taught the opposite. I th- feel like we were taught like, go with cops. If, if a right, cop right, tells you right. to come with you, you right. go right along. That's wrong. Or just kids are told if that's a p- person in a position of authority, you're supposed to just abide by whatever they say. But this is a different situation. And if your dad doesn't happen to be a lawyer or a judge or something like that, you're not going to, how else would you know except watching these crime shows? <laughs> right. Unless you're a true crime nerd or like. What was the one about um, on Netflix, the Avery's, the. Oh, uh, making a murderer. The, uh, the Wisconsin making a murderer. When they took oh, the young one down, I... the 15 year old. And, and then, and he says all this stuff and he goes, can I, after he said he killed somebody. And then he goes, can I go play Xbox now? Ah, ah, like my head just wanted to explode and go somebody. And then that lady did try to help them. But like, you've already said too much. You've already done. You didn't have to. And I'm not rooting for murderers. I'm just rooting for right. <laughs> no, but- I know. Right. Same. And I, 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 a lot of people always criticize me as being like very pro prosecution, but I'm not at all that way. Like usually I've, I've seen enough to know that there are lots and way too many people in prison for crimes they they did not commit and that it happens mostly to poor people that like they don't have a lawyer, they don't know their rights and they just get screwed by the system. I've seen that happen. And that was something I kind of like started to pay attention to later in my journalism career of like, wow, a lot of people in our county jail are just in jail literally because they're poor. There's no other reason. And that's so insane to me. And, (laughs) And like, why are there's some really weird charges that you pay attention to your county jail and like click uh, in my county jail, you can click on the mugshot and what they're in for. And there's one charge uh, called walking on a highway. Is this in Indiana by any chance? Cause Indiana has roadsides that say no standing. I don't even know. Are, is that a problem or people just standing out here? Right. Uh, but I think a lot of these li- I think a lot of these laws were literally designed as a racist mechanism, as a reason for white cops to be able to arrest black people, as a just I don't know. It's just wrong. It's just purely wrong. And I don't understand why it's still happening. And also, it's just insane to me that like, if you don't have anybody around you who has $200 for this stupid charge, you could end up in jail for like 60 days, which I've seen. And that's just horrible like the whole thing is bananas wrong kathleen lots of things i'd like to ask you about but let me think about this what intrigued you the most about the murdoch story and like what what kept you interested in it um the absolute most i think that someone would be willing to kill their wife and son for money, well, drug money or to not, for whatever reason, just be willing to do that. And then outside of that life, you're quote, normal. It's not like you're Charles Manson and you're doing this all the time or, or Jeffrey Dahmer. So I think it was just what seems to be a normal guy, outstanding lawyer, blah. And then he has this other life. That's the part that really like, I don't think we've ever had a story like that that I can think of. Yeah, the motive to a lot of people, I don't think made a lot of sense. And it is just hard to wrap your head around. It makes sense to me just because I'm a nerd and I've 
been doing this for four years and I feel, unfortunately, like I understand Alec Murdoch's brain and I don't want to. But I think but I think that's the point. It's like normal people aren't supposed to understand what would motivate this man to murder his family because it, it's murder always should be the last case scenario. Uh, I was amazed during the trial of how many people were like really wanting that he cheated and that's why he murdered or something like that. And it's like, well, if his life is collapsing and he can find a way out, I think that's the whole point of this. I don't think you need that like cliche motive. But yeah, I think it's I, I think it's funny that like you're very interested in sociopaths. And I think that there's like this whole phenomenon around sociopaths and um, like Elizabeth Holmes, Alex Murdoch. But Alex Murdoch might be like just the most complicated one, unfortunately for me, because it just keeps going. And I just don't know of another case that's just has this many threads to keep pulling it over and over. Epstein, maybe, but Epstein was ended with a lot of it ended with his death unfortunately yeah but yeah it's just a it's a never-ending <laughs> stupid story he's not uh, the only thing too and then i'll ask you my question Murdoch didn't he didn't like elizabeth holmes followed a, a blueprint of how to become a silicon valley superstar and it's it's pretty laid out there if you want to try Go get high-powered investors. Say you have a product. It's so secret. Nobody can look at it. It's invisible, blah, blah, blah. And then we've seen it happen before. So hers fascinated me because the media went along with it and propped it up and built it up. But Murdoch is just, there's no, there's no similar thing that I can think of except for an actual like meth head, say, in Wyoming that shoots his grandma for money. I mean, I, I mean, other than that, but that guy probably wasn't what Murdoch was to begin with. Right. So if you want to watch these shows on oxygen where people are busting into trailers, shooting their grandpa, you know, for beer money, that's a different kind of crazy. So here's my question for you. Yes. Was there ever a point in all this where you were scared of the amount of power he did have? Yeah, absolutely. Many times I, I mean, from the, the second I started putting my name on stories associated with the Murdochs, I started to get emails of like, you should be careful. Um, these people are really powerful. And that's, that stuff kind of like, I didn't get emails like that before. Like I said, I was kind of a salad bar reporter. <laughs> And I, I wasn't used to things, but I, I had, I had, I had definitely like looked into, I definitely had written about crimes and some serious cases before Murdoch came along. However, I had just never been warned by that many people that these people were dangerous like that. It was something that was just all of the time people were coming out of nowhere saying, Hey, be careful. And it, it wasn't necessarily like, Hey, I'm more, or they weren't trying to be threatening. They were just, I think, trying to look out for me, but it just made it all the worse. But, um, and I was investigating the Stephen Smith case in 2019. Liz and I actually went to the scene and we had heard just all of these rumors at that point about how powerful the Murdochs were, how nobody ever investigated anything in, in Hampton County and be careful if you go there because the cops are all in their side, et cetera, et cetera. It's, ter it's terrifying. And um, we went to the site and I talk about this in my book 
We went to the site of where Stephen was killed. And we got tailed by a highway patrolman who a highway patrol is the same agency that investigated the Stephen Smith death and did a very poor job of it. And it was a very like to the point where Liz turned her car around in like a driveway and then the highway patrolman tailed us and turned his car around in the same driveway. And it was just a uh, my heart was like... (laughs) You know, you're thinking like Cousin Vinny, you're thinking all those crazy stories of like, you can just get in these small towns and they can arrest you and do whatever. And we were like freaked out so bad. Um, but it and he ended up stopped following us and we crossed the county line and we're like, but I think it's things like that that just cloud all of Hampton County and that that stuff is always in your head when you go there and you don't know if it's paranoia or if it's real, but it's just very, very nerve wracking. And just the amount of people that really hype it up and really tell you to be careful and tell you these people are very dangerous and very powerful. Um, look out. That was the, the thing that got in my head the most. And, but it's also just like, okay, so what, like, what are, Tell me what they're going to do specifically or like, tell me, tell me something specific. Like, do I need to? I don't know. I don't know what they'd be capable of, but I would have definitely have like a ring doorbell and like, I we have all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I would just be afraid getting out of my car. Just a, just a hillbilly move. Like somebody takes a baseball bat to my kneecap. And then I got to deal with that for the rest of my life. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's a terrible thing. Right. I don't want to deal with any of that. Right. Which is probably, and I talk about this in the book, I started like secluding myself from a lot of the world. Just being, hearing all these things in my head and thinking all these things like, or what if they, what if they like tail me and I get cut off the road and and get get in a minor car accident, something like that. Like, right. I don't. Right. I didn't want any of those things to happen because I wanted to keep going. And so I just kind of secluded myself from a lot of the world there for a while and was like just so into it. But that was really bad, too. Like, that's really bad for your mental health. And then that just makes you afraid. And it ultimately, I'm glad I did everything. And I'm glad that this investigation panned out. And I'm glad Alex Murdoch is in jail where he should be. However, as I talk about in the book, it's it, it just required a lot from a lot of people. And I think that our society just needs to stop and think about like what we're doing here. And a person like Alex Murdoch should not have been able to get away with the things that he was getting away with for so many years. And that's my problem right now. It's just like, okay, well, we, we got that guy, but what about the whole system? And why don't we make the system better? And why don't we actually, why, why were we all so gracious with this man that is six foot, whatever, like super tall and like walks into a room, like he owns the place. Why were we all just assuming that he was fine and dandy and why was nobody checking out all these things that seemed super obvious. And those are questions I keep asking and it's almost, it'll drive you crazy because (laughs) I feel like I'm shouting to the universe all the time. Like, will somebody just do something about this, please? Like, I, I don't want another situation to come out where 
somebody gets away with so much for so long and believes that they can get away with anything, every, anything and everything. So they end up killing their family. That's what happened with Alex Murdoch. And it's horrible. So I, that's where I'm at right now. As far as like, I, I'm really glad that the investigation went where it did. And I'm really glad that we have our podcast and our platform and all the support from people like you. However, uh, I just hope the people in charge actually wake up and do something. And I will keep annoying them until they do. All right. Good job. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to you. I'll be telling jokes on the road somewhere, thinking of you working very hard. And I will not be working very hard. <laughs> Please, uh, yeah, keep telling your jokes because that matters too. <laughs> Sometimes. We need people to tell jokes. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Kathleen. This was awesome. All right. It was great talking to you guys. I love your dogs. Keep taking dog pictures. This Cup of Justice episode is created and hosted by me, Mandy Matney, with co-host Liz Farrell, our executive editor, and Eric Bland, attorney at law, a.k.a. the Jackhammer of Justice. From Luna Shark Productions. <laughs>